When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello everyone, welcome to Club Deck Corner here on Club at 22, the Rangers podcast. This week in Club Deck Corner, it is positive on and off the pitch as we go into the international break with another win over Livy and the annual reports are released showing yet more progress off the pitch. Well, I suppose that's open to interpretation, but the way I interpret it is was, there was positives in it for sure. I am Scott Carney and joining me tonight is the man, the myth. The legend, the guy that everybody tunes in to see, is Scott Gamble. How's it going, Scotia? Evening, Carney. Yes, not too bad. Um, into the international break in quite a positive mood this time round, it's fair to say, compared to the last international break. So, yeah, a wee round up to sort of all things Rangers this wee last block of domestic football that we've had. Absolutely, it makes a hell of a difference, mate, to the last international break we were getting into, that's for sure, man. Um, it definitely is more positive now than what it has been, and I suppose that's all we could really ask for when Clement came in, is we're sitting here feeling rather better about things than we were previously, so no, um, nice to be positive, it has, it's been too long since we've done our, like consistent positive podcasts, <laughs> me and Ali were speaking about it last week and it was like... It's been a long time since we've like had a full positive pod, if that makes sense. So no, I'm all for the trend continuing, I really am. Uh, before we get into things, shameless plug, as always, to support the podcast to reach the next level, you can join the channel for as little as 99p a month, and you can also buy the podcast a coffee and join the Coffee by Legend membership via buymeacoffee.com. All the links are in the description for this podcast. If you could like the video and subscribe to the channel, we'd be very much appreciative of that as well. We will start, Scotia, with the 2-0 win over Livy on Sunday. So as, as you mentioned, Rangers are heading into the international break with a fairly routine performance uh, and a comfortable day at the office. Scotia, the starting 11 threw up a bit of a few surprises, um, I think. I don't think anybody would have picked that team. Lawrence returning to the starting 11, as well as Dessers and young Ross McCausland getting a start, as well as uh, Balian coming into the defence. A few shocks, mate, but in order to be successful in a season, mate, rotation of the squad and your starting 11 is, uh, is paramount. Yeah, I don't think I would have picked that team, but given Clement's uh, comments after it, sort of what he's delved into and sort of these snippets that I've heard since then, it kind of makes sense from what he was saying. don't know if you'll touch on his kind of comments around moving the games to later on in the Sunday evening, because I'm sure that would throw up plenty of discussion and probably not, probably not in a positive light. Um, <laughs> but given his comments about that, and he, he has made mentioned before to the fact that he's going to use all his squad that he's got available to him. He's he, comes across as a guy that doesn't really want a, a lean squad. He wants to use every player that's available to them, obviously without a detriment to the team. So Balogun wasn't a massive surprise. I think if Balogun had been in the Euro squad, because I don't think he is, if he'd been in the Euro squad, he would have probably been... Wouldn't I have seen him? I don't you should know that, Balogun. to be fair, because when me, and Ali spoke, we and Ali spoke about that, I said, it's a shame Scotia's not here, because he will know if Balogun's <laughs> in the Euro I'm, squad or not. I'm fairly certain Balogun was one of the ones that was left out. Um, and I think it was like Sterling was selected as the kind of yeah. backup option because um, you That's obviously right. still had King there as a centre half as well. Um, but yeah, no, it was probably up top that was where the surprises were. Um, but given given Clement's comments afterwards, maybe not so much. 
no, I mean, when I seen it, I went, oh, that's a bit different. I wasn't expecting that. But again, it was a team that I felt confident enough in doing the business. Um, and I'm not going to lie, again, people will say in the comments, I was delighted not to see Lammers in the starting 11. I really was. I was like, brilliant, good. Because I think Tom Lawrence showed in spells, which we will probably speak about a wee bit further, but he showed in spells just how much more he has to offer, in my opinion. Um, but again, as you say, uh, we go ahead early on, well, we think we go ahead early on anyway, but it was ruled out for Dessers being offside. This is one frustration that I think will continue to crop up with Dessers, mate. He is offside an awful lot. This one, it's a wee bit harsh to be too critical of him, I suppose. He'd go, he thinks he goes at the right time. It's the right decision, put it that way, because he does make an attempt to play the ball. Uh, but at that point, mate, I was the other end of the stadium from this, and I thought we were off to, off to a flying start. Yeah, before we get too much further into this, I should probably caveat this with the fact that I was at a christening on Sunday, so oh, I not seen it. See, no, I didn't see the first half. I seen the was we went, once we went back to the kind of the community centre place for the after, but I had the phone out and I was watching the second half, so I seen glimpses of that. I thought I'd also recorded it, and I sat down today. I was off today, sat down today to watch the game, and I couldn't find it on my recording list. So I've either not recorded it or someone's deleted it. So I've seen the extended highlights, so I just caveat it with that. So. You might mention bits that I can offer no insight into, and I'll just nod no, along and agree with you. Professionalism oozes out of us. Oh, indeed, indeed. Yeah, no, but I know that I know this. This one was in the extended highlights that you were talking yeah. about. Yes, and yeah, because it comes from a dead ball situation. He's off. He runs a wee bit too early, and then goes out and puts his his foot out to and starts to interfere with play that way, and goes off. So there's no real concerns with that when I watched it back today but yes Dessers this is a frustration he's becoming Sakala 2.0 yeah. in regards to the offsides isn't he very much so mate it's frustrating it is frustrating uh, but again it's this one I'm like he probably should time the run better he is quite a bit offside but I, he's a striker and it's what he's going to do but it is a frustration that's going to get flung at him because there's many things that people like to fling at Dessers and the offside one is certainly becoming more common than not it's just something he needs to work on um, he has to get better at it he has to get better at the time in his run um, however McCausland then wins as a penalty um, after going down under a perceived contact contact I will say from the goalkeeper Tav misses the penalty mate I hitched the post a pretty poor penalty by a Tavernier standards Far checks this mate for me Scotia with blue tinted glasses off and on at the time I screamed for it again it's the other end of the pitch for me it looked like he wiped him out it genuinely did this isn't a penalty for me no, I agree. Yes, um, I was, like I say, this is one of the ones I didn't kind of see live or half live, as it were. But watching it, the first sort of action it shows you of it, where the camera angle is, you could say, "Oh, that could be a penalty." But as soon as they yeah. show you the reverse angle, and then what McCausland tries to do, no, it's not a penalty for me. But we see, we, we see attacking players do this all the time to varying degrees of success. Um, you could say it was success in regards that he actually got given the penalty, but um, for me. If I was in the VAR room for that, or if I was the referee, I would be reversing my decision. And obviously, VAR had called it back for the ref. Did the ref look at it? Can't remember if he did. But the ref didn't go over to look at that. No. Oh, did he go over to look right. at that? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No. Right. So the ref didn't even get the chance to rescind or reverse his decision. Because if I was the referee, I think I certainly would. Because it's there's very minimal contact at the very end, if, and that's a big stretch. You know, with definitely with very blue tinted specs on when you've seen that. I would say if that was the other way about and that was against us, I'd be pretty pissed off about it. I don't think yeah. I'd be too happy if that could give against Rangers. And that's as honest as I can be. I think if I was gave against us, I'd be like, nah, he's absolutely bought that. But maybe karma works in strange ways because Tav hits a shocker of a penalty and hits a post. So um, maybe these things work his way out. Either that or James Tavenier is indeed the staunchest, fairest man Um and on the planet for the fact that he, that he chose not to score, he chose to miss it. But no, as I say, I did start to think at this point, well, I hope it's not going to be one of these days. But even saying that, I thought Rangers were, we were really positive in our play again. And it's another trend that we're beginning to see under Clement. It's it's not miracle workings that he's doing. It's encouraging the players to play forward, to win the ball high and to continue to play forward. Scotia, who would have thought it was as simple as that? It's ridiculous. You can't look at it. And we've said it quite a few times now. In that seven games that we've seen Clement in charge in now, and it is. It's just making things simple for the players to to go out and execute, not overcomplicating things. And 
the players right now are thriving under it. They are, yeah, absolutely. And the, the goal was 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 and uh what's the word I'm looking for? An accumulation of all of that. Um terrific work from Lawrence, who takes out about four level players with a turn, releases a fantastic through ball for Dessers. Dessers is already on the charge. It's straight into his path. Dessers holds his man quite well. I thought he was strong. Doesn't make the cleanest contact with the ball at all. Um, it hits off the Livingston's player, bounces up over the keeper pretty much, wrong foots the keeper, and it kind of trundles into the back of the net, mate. But I didn't care at that point, and I thought, Dessers has scored again! <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, firstly, it was a great great pass by, by Lawrence. Lawrence. Just to, removes all that, um, taking out all the players in between him and, and Dessers. They'd remove that. How often have we seen it where that forward pass isn't getting made. Ryan's tearing his hair out because the forward pass isn't getting made. Lawrence comes in, does it? And a few of the highlights I did see from Lawrence, he was doing that, seemed to be doing that quite a bit. Yeah. You know, driving forward with, with intelligence as well, um, not just hitting and hoping. Dessers, I think Dessers makes a really good first touch with the ball and then he gets, he does get, let's be honest, he does get a wee bit lucky with the way he sclaffs it and the way it kind of takes out the defender and the goalkeeper. If he'd maybe struck that cleanly, maybe it's maybe getting saved or blocked. Um, but no, luckily it didn't. And again, this is just another bit of a confidence boost for Dessers as well. Um, I'm getting a goal, you know, and and the first goal at that as well. You know, I think that might not be can be overstated too much that when when you score is just as important as you know if you're scoring because scoring like the third goal in a five or six nil route, you've maybe looked overlooked, not remembered so much. Particularly when he scored against Dundee with some of the quality of the other goals. That were scored, but scoring the goal to take you into the leader, scoring the winner goal, winning goal, I think, gives you another sort of different type of confidence, particularly to strikers. Yeah, it's as if he knows he can be relied on, and he'll be putting that in the manager's mind that he can be relied on, and the fans' mind for that matter. Look, I think he's perfect. I think he's anywhere near it. No, I don't. I still don't. But the fact that is, he scored, so you have to give him credit where it is due. Uh, he, he did manage to score because he had a chance really early on as well that he broke through. They kind of smashed that the keeper could have done better with. There was one later on in the half as well from the right hand side again, just smashing at the keeper. But he'll be a guy that knows that he's lacking in confidence. He's lacking in goals. He's lacking in real form so it will be the the all added pressure of I need to score and you somehow you manage just to always find the goalkeeper we've seen it happen with many strikers before um, I didn't think he was terrible at all I think there's improvement there but the, he is very much now the backup striker um, for Rangers I don't think there's any great doubt we, everybody knows who the the, the, num- the first choice is and it is Daniel there's absolutely zero doubt in that Um We'll stop as well when we'll talk about Lawrence. <clears throat> I thought he was very positive in the first half, mate. For a guy that's not played a lot of football, I think you can see why we were anticipating his return to the team so much. He's a very clever football footballer. He's got an intelligent footballing brain. He's good touches, good vision, good control of the ball, even on that pitch. He's still probably short of match fitness by quite a considerable, considerable way, but it is very, very positive to see him back in the team. Definitely. Um, I think he's he's clearly been drip fed into the team by um Clement. Um, because he's you know, he's made a few sort of cameo sub appearances now and he's been in and around the squad and he's not went in and put him in straight away. He's waited until what he felt was the was the right moment to bring him in. And yeah, from the wee clips that I seen of him today, he did look um very good at the weekend there. Um and what I'd say as well is if you think back to just before his injury. I mean, we were all kind of banging the drum about him and going like, oh, this is going to be a really good season because Lawrence, look at the, the contribution he's given. Is, was Lawrence one of the ones that, I hate doing this, I hate giving the boy credit, but it was Lawrence one of the ones that Ali had said, oh, he'll be good for us. It definitely was. was. Yeah, he yeah. Ali had said that he'd seen him play for a few times, seen him play a few times, and he said, we're, we're buying a bit of a player here. Yeah, so hopefully, you know, he, he can live up to... Um, Ali's um, recommendation of him. But, um, Ali's John, very, um, very, very high standards, Alistair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and usually, you know, with Ali, if he's made up his mind in a player within like five minutes, that's nothing's changing his mind. So um, yeah, no, he, he, looked, he looked good. He looked good there from the highlights that I've seen. And yeah, he's got now got this Kenny two weeks again. To, I think Clement has said they're maybe getting three days maximum off the ones that aren't going in international duty. So but even on those days as well, they'll be given their strict running regimes and stuff that they'll need to do on their days off. Um, so hopefully this two weeks can just help build up. I know obviously it's not match sharpness he's building up, but it's just more kind of running about physical exertion exercises that will be 
put him in good stead for coming back against is it Aberdeen we're away to once yeah. we come back from international yeah. break. Yeah, Aberdeen on the twenty fourth. But yeah, no, you're spot on, mate, as well, is that uh, you're right, it's not um it's not the twenty fourth, it's the twenty sixth before Sunday. Yeah, it's the twenty sixth. Um it's a it's a positive thing that he's gonna get more fitness in terms of like being in the correct shape in order to get more game time in order to make an impact on the squad but I thought it would be great I really did I thought it kind of shows the difference between and I'm sorry for slamming Lammers I really am all the time but the difference between Tom Lawrence and Lammers is night and day for me it really is I don't think there's any competition for who plays there if both of them are fit if that's the way that Clement's going to intend on going with uh, the 10 role not being Cantwell for example then I think it's um, I think it's Tom Lawrence's position once he's once he's fully up to match sharpness and I just I don't see anybody really disagreeing with that because I thought he offered he offered a lot uh, in the first half mate I thought we should have been through it Yes, mate, go. Just on that, Carney, on that. What it does as well is, because like you say, it looks like Cantwell won't be, as at the moment certainly doesn't mm. appear to be one of the, the kind of guys for Clement playing in that 10 role. But what it does do is it gives Lammers, and Lammers now knows that he's got strong, strong competition that he needs to up yes. his levels again. So again, it's one of those ones. I think I'd said the same when Yilmaz came in about Barisic. It gives these players, all right, I actually need to pull my finger out and I need to contribute in matches as well as training. So... You would like to think that could be a positive impact in Lammers' game. I've still not. I'm still not where you are yet. I've not written him off just yet. But you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say I've written him off. Right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I'm written him off. But I, I'm very close to that line. Like I am very, very close to that line. I'm not far away from it at all. I just don't understand the guy. Look, I don't. I, I'm going to go a podcast without getting stuck into him. But you, you are right. The competition for places is going to provide strength for the squad. It's going to provide players to have to up their game, and it's a, and it's an exciting time. I don't know if Matondo coming back into the team is going to change what he looks at, what he does. Like Scott Wright, Matondo being fit, whether it changes if Cantwell is going to get moved inside and it gives him three options there in terms of Lammers, Lawrence and Cantwell. That's a possibility as well. It's going to be interesting to see once we get more players fit uh, and back into the team, hopefully after the international break. But I think Lawrence has done himself no no um, no damage at all. Uh, I thought he I thought he done really well um, for for been out for so long coming into the team and making an impact like that. I thought he was I thought he was very positive. Uh, I think we should have been two up, mate, in the first half. Uh, a great ball in from Golden Seema is strong and kind of battling with the two uh, Livingston defenders. There's a push on one, a push on the other. I think it's all very fifty fifty, and it's one of those ones that the referees gave the benefit of the doubt to the. Um, the benefit of the doubt to the defender because he goes down. I don't think any of it's a foul. But I say Seema manages to get to it. It kind of falls back to Dessers. Dessers is blocked by Livingston players kind of flinging themselves in front of the ball and then the finish from McCausland was superb, absolutely superb, into the kind of rooftop right-hand side of the net. A great finish. And I thought he thoroughly deserved his goal, but we'll, we'll, come, we'll come on and speak to McCausland after this. Um just initially looking at it, mate, I know you didn't watch it live. Or I don't know if you've you seen this bit live. For me, um, try to take blue tinted glasses off as well. It just isn't a foul. And the referee, at best, has guessed at this. This one, I did. I did see it on, I had it on my phone at this point and was watching it. And I initially thought, no, there's nothing wrong with that goal. And briefly seen the quick replay of it. And I was like, I can't see why he's disallowed that. I can't see anything wrong with it. I sat down today and looked at it in a wee bit more detail. And... I can understand why the referee has given the foul against Seema. Does that mean I'm in agreement with it? Probably not. I don't know. It's I can understand why he's given it, but I, I think it is a bit harsh, if I'm being honest. And it was a brilliant, brilliant goal for McCausland because he had, did have a, one before that, I think I've seen in the highlight reel as well, that was fairly close. He was terrific, McCausland. Uh, and just on the goal, I think it's a goal. I think it's... <laughs> It's almost like a they call it um they call it in racing like a racing incident basically when something just happens but it's just nobody's real fault and it's just kind of fair game and I thought that was pretty fair game I thought it was a battle between them for Seema to get there Seema manages to win the battle against Turum and I just thought it was very harsh to take that away I really did but it might be might be slightly tinted and I might be slightly biased based on the fact that how thought uh, how good I thought McCausland was especially in that first half I think Clement called it right by starting Clement because uh, by starting 
starting McCausland even because um, Livingston didn't sit in really in the first half, not compared to the second half, which we'll come on to. They were like back six at times in the second half, whereas in the first half they weren't. Obviously, Martindale's thinking he needs to try and get something going because they're in a terrible run of form and McCausland was very effective on that right-hand side. He's not scared, mate. He's not scared to cut inside. I think he's touching. His touches are really good. I think he's he's smart with the way that he keeps possession and the way he likes to take players on. Um, I was very impressed by him, mate, and by all accounts, the um, the contract is on the table for him. Yeah, I mean, I think he, people have been that impressed with him, certainly over in Northern Ireland, that he's been called up to their main That's squad right. today. I think he got called up to the main squad, yep. up, up, sorry, bumped up from the under-21, so good luck to him in those games. Um, but no, McCausland, yeah, as I say, I didn't really see much, much of any of the first half, so I can't really give much comment on that, but what you say doesn't surprise me. A youngster shown no fear. Uh, we kind of seen that with Lovelace before he get, took off injured against St Mirren, just before the last international break. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've not been on since the Sparta game last week there, and when McCausland came on the pitch there, and there was two sort of two passes in particular that he split their defence right open, and from the kind of wee clips I seen today, it looked like he was having a similar sort of impact. So, no, again, that's good coming into the team, coming you know up the levels, because um, I think it was way back when we played when we went to that game against Vale Leithen. How have you mentioned that? Have you, that last week's week. How have you mentioned that game twice in like two weeks? Honestly, what a terrible it's because McCausland was so good in that game. Yeah, no, not not in terrible in in comparison to no, not in in terms of how good the Rangers the Rangers B team were because they were very good, but the team they were playing, my God, man, honestly, <laughs> uh, they were awful, absolutely terrible. But yeah, no, you're right, you are right. That he, he, he was he was a shining light in, in that game really really good um so carry on that's, i think that's that's maybe maybe similar to you but that's maybe the first time i've seen like a youngster it's maybe seen a few others but certainly causeland because one of the more eye-catching ones that you've seen mm. play at that youth level and then jump up and he, he breaks in through the first team and he looks like he can contribute to the first team an awful lot of them have maybe been ones that go like right you'll do here and there whereas looking at McCausland right now you look at me and go like no actually i can we could rely on you for important games. We could rely on you from the start. We're not just going to see you as a, a bit part player. You're going to contribute to this squad, which I think is ultimately what Clement's after. Absolutely. Um, and he's, he's making an impact. That's the thing. He's making an impact to the chances that he's getting. Uh, and it's eye-catching impact as well. It's not stuff that kind of goes under the radar. It's stuff that people, like, stuff that with flair, if you like, it's stuff that you can see, the passes, the shooting. Um, so no, but I thought it was incredible and lucky to get that goal dropped off. Um, and in the second half, uh, it became a bit scrappy. I'm not going to lie. Livingston did go to the back six, as previously mentioned there. Uh, there wasn't a great deal in the, in the game. Rangers were never in any danger. I thought we looked to slow down. Again, maybe expected after the... the um, European game midweek, as well as coming into an early kickoff on the Sunday, so I I, I wasn't too upset with what I was seeing because I did think we dominated. We then get a penalty from um, James Tavernier, stonewall handball. Uh, whether you agree with the rule or not, as a stonewall handball, it's a definite penalty. And again, Tav steps up and again shows a bit of a bit of. What's the word? Balls. He looks. He's got a bit of balls about him to step up and hit the second one because if he doesn't score that, and I know it's it's all right saying that, if he doesn't score that, the game becomes maybe something that isn't. Maybe it gives Livingston a wee bit of hope, but the second goal completely killed the game. And yeah, Tavernier's second penalty was much better than his first. But I suppose it's bringing on another conversation: is should Tav still be the penalty taker as well, Scotia? Um, I don't see any reason to change him. Same. Although all of his last four penalties, he's missed two of them, hasn't he? He, didn't, but, he missed a penalty against Hearts, but then went on and scored again. It's that one. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not one of these people that really get frustrated that it's Tav taking the penalties. Tav takes them and his conversion rate is very good. Um, I don't see any reason to, to change him. Um, I, I don't get the feeling that Dessers would be a brilliant penalty taker. It's just, just me. I mean, he might, he, might be wrong, he but doesn't seem to hit a ball very cleanly, though. He's like, he's like very, a, very like Morelos in that sense. Uh, like a, like a, like a first season, second minute season Morelos that we have seen, but he just didn't ever hit a ball clean. Yeah. So I, I don't see the need to change because there's not who else have you got? Lawrence, if he comes in and then starts playing regularly, you'd maybe say him. But I'm fine with Tav taking them as long as it's 
ratio is certainly better than 50%, obviously, over the last four. But I think if you go back and look at the numbers, his penalty success rate's pretty high. Yeah, people are also desperate for the pen the penalties to get took off him so they can say he offers nothing to the team and he has to be removed, mate. You, you, people are desperate to hit him with that, but no, I, I wouldn't say him. I wouldn't change it. I think the fact that he scored the second, you're like, okay, the first one doesn't really matter then that you missed the first. So, and again, in footballing world, I suppose um, with the with the first one being a pretty soft penalty, in my opinion, maybe these things work themselves out. They always say that things work themselves out over the space of a season. One last point of. Kind of controversy, I suppose, surrounding it, mate. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, Cantwell got booked, uh, and I'm not just echoing what David Edgar said on the flagship here. I have the whole Cantwell apology because I said on my post match that he needs to get rid of these silly bookings when he doesn't really need to get them. However, how he's been booked here is beyond me. The boys went in at pretty much knee height, mate. Um, straight legged, could have really hurt Cantwell about her here, and somehow Cantwell's end up booked from that. And VAR don't check that decision. I think the bigger thing that comes on from all of that, mate, is how do we stop these inconsistencies with VAR? Because right now it's not getting used for what it's meant to be getting used for. And it's just a, there's a perception of when the ref goes to the screen, he's going to he's going to award the goal or the penalty or whatever it may be. But for right now, it is becoming very frustrating, the, the use of VAR. And this is one, when you see it back, mate, this is one that should be checked. The guy should be sent off for this. It's, uh, it is very high. And we're 2 nil up at the time, so it's not as if I'm like wearing a tinfoil hat here. Like We were 2 nil up, the game was over. Livingston were never coming back from it, but it's a nasty tackle. But it's it just raises the question about VAR again. Yeah, I mean, VAR is to be used when there's a clear and obvious error or when... It's like for a red card instant goal, yeah. instant as well. Um, listen, yes, I think I understand why Cantwell's then went over to the guy and done what he's done to him. Um, because yes, it was a it was Kenny. Kind of, he was lying on the ground and he's kind of kicked out at his knee, hasn't he? Really? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think surely they would be looking at that in bar. I mean, but what I'm what I'm trying to get here is it kind of doesn't excuse or remove the need that Cantwell shouldn't react in the manner that he does and go in and knee the boy, like put his knee towards the boy's face either. So I can I can understand why he's still being booked because if yeah. the other guy gets booked for that as well or that gets looked at, it doesn't really negate the fact that Cantwell's then went and tried to put a knee on him. Now, obviously, there's no force in the knee, you know, it's moving the knee towards the player's face. But So I, I don't think you know the, the yellow card for what Cantwell done was undeserved, but I, I agree with you that they should probably be looking at what that that tackle from the boy. Now, obviously, maybe the guy at VARS thought that, well, it's not a clearing obvious area or it's not a sending off challenge. Therefore, mm. it lets the referee deal with it. Um, but yeah, that's not the point I was just trying to make. I, just, can't remember, I know what you were saying after the game. It does need to kind of rein in that yeah. after a bit. Because, mind again, going back to the Prague game, did an awful lot of the Prague players not get booked after Daniel's goal because they were sent at the referee after the goal had been in, and obviously then it goes back to the goal kick. Those yellow cards didn't get rescinded because they were still, you know, making descent towards the referee. Yeah, we, we all know Cantwell cares. We all know that he loves it here. We all know that he's full of passion when he's playing for us. He doesn't need to do that. Do you know what I mean? He just he needs to just walk away from, from time to time. Just walk away, choose when to do it and when not to do it. And that one, the tackle is bad, it is, but the retaliation, yeah, it's just, it's kind of uncalled for. Well, but I, I mean, I say as well, Carney, it's all very well and good for us saying this sitting here. We're not there in the moment. And probably would be right. If it's me myself, I'm reacting completely differently. Yeah. I'm not even putting my knee towards the boy. I'm putting the boy's face anything, you know. <laughs> full, full flying headbutt at the guy. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it's, it's all about if he if Cantwell thinks he's trying to do him there. Do you know what I mean? And as professional football players, you're not meant to do that to each other kind of thing. So maybe there's some of that in it. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's another booking that Cantwell has. But Rangers are very, very much in control of that entire match. A very routine win. A lovely day in the sun that I enjoyed myself going to the Tony Macaroni Arena <laughs> and highlighted all by the... The PA announcer guy. If you if you've been, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I honestly, I thought, I honestly think that guy was a 
bottle and a half of whiskey in, something like that. With the way he was talking, mate, I've never heard anything like it. We'll go to the spaghetti had, mate, and you hear him for yourself because, my goodness, that guy was uh, he was definitely on one. But, no, a very, very enjoyable day. Yeah, a very enjoyable day. Excosia, we'll move on. Um, Rangers' annual report and accounts were released on Monday evening as well as the details of the upcoming AGM. The AGM will be held at Edmonton House on Tuesday, the 5th of December at 10.30am. I will read the statement from Chairman John Bennett that was released on the club website. Um, the club has, for the second year in succession, returned an operating profit. Turnover for the year to 30th of June 2023 was £83.3 million, generating an operating profit of 252 252,000 yes sorry Uh, while successive years of operating profitability can be seen as encouraging especially in the light of what had gone before there is still much work to be done the club vision must be simple and clear sustainable success this applies both on and off the pitch and it must be the mantra by which all the club live Football is a business which is particularly prone to being reactive. While this may be inherent to the industry, sustainable success can only come when we are systematic in our processes. As I've just lost my place, I apologise for this. I really do apologise. Um, what was that? Ah, oh, our processes and in our actions. Apologies, everybody. I clicked my I clicked my phone there and it disappeared. I do apologise. It is my firm conviction that this is a precursor to returning the club to the status of serial winners. I have talked previously of the four components of financial sustainability: season ticket sales, commercial revenue, European football, and player trading. While the first of these components will never be taken for granted, it is the fourth that requires attention. Player player trading will always be inherently volatile yet Rangers must replace sporadic wins with systematic success it is a given that it all begins with player recruitment this and this is an area of priority for your board and we anticipate that in the coming months we will see strengthening in the leadership and processes of our footballing department specifically with this in mind and reading between the lines there that's a director of football or technical director whatever way you want to look at it the statement included also key highlights these included club reporting another set of robust financials to build on previous years second consecutive year for operating profit overall revenue of Eight, above 80 million record commercial revenue positive player trading performance this is fundamental pillar to the club's business model continued investment in facilities and team which again will continue forward scotia your thoughts overall on the accounts on the first initial kind of skim over it that you had and you've told me you've got a story behind these accounts so i'm looking forward to hearing it well, it's not so much a story. It's just a good message the other day saying we're going to speak about the finances and you're, we're going to just read up on it a bit, Scott. And I just thought to myself, fucking brilliant, because to be honest, <laughs> this is one thing that I really, I just get bored of it. If I'm being yeah, completely honest, probably shouldn't get bored of it, but I get bored of it um, and I look at it because I was thinking back as well. See, when a c- couple of live pods ago, Ryan asked us whether he was going to talk about the pyro. So I'd spent my Friday afternoon diving deep into like how the Norwegian authorities deal with, you know, how they get their safe pyro off and things like that. Educating myself in the situation. And then I done it to, actually found it quite enjoyable. Done it today with the finances. And I was just like, this is terrible. This is terrible. And I was kind of maybe like anyone else out there, I was kind of sitting waiting to hope that Heart and Hand would release something. I know um, um, I was waiting for Andy McGowan. Andy yeah, McGowan, I, I was the same. He was on the pod. <laughs> I was the I know same. He, I know he'd done the he'd done a blog on the Heart and Hand website as well that I've read on, and I know that um, one of the guys is Andy McKellar at Four Lads. He's put up a blog as well. So I've kind of yeah. I've read them and kind of tried yeah. to dissect them. I did have a, a read through the the annual statement myself, but like I say, it just I look at it and I go, this is boring. Um, I can't be bothered looking at it, and then go and do something else. Um, but they they kind of summarised it brilliantly. So if anyone's thinking that we're going to give you an opinion like that. One not don't don't that's not what we're giving you. No, I would go strongly urge anyone go and listen, read them or listen to the, to them if you can, because they offer it with a more a better base level understanding of finances than certainly I do. And Carney, you're probably and, the same. I'm exactly the same, mate. People know I'm not a very intelligent man. Uh, I read the first two pages, mate. Spent nope. <laughs> I'm not doing this. I was like, and I'm being honest, there's no point in us pretending to do all this stuff and pretending to be something that we're not. There's guys out there with free pods, whatever else, that give just as much uh, and even better um, inter- uh, interpretation of the accounts than I ever could. They are open for um, 
they're open to perception, they're open to people's opinions. It's sort of up to you how you take things. Um, so I'm not going to sit and break all that down because I don't think anybody really wants to hear about us doing that because they probably already went and sourced that elsewhere, mate. So what, one thing I will say, um, my biggest take is where obviously the fact we make an operation profit for the um, a second year running, which is signs of things to come, I hope. It's the way the club should be running. We should be constantly making a profit. Doesn't really, I mean, of course it matters to an extent of how much it is, but still, we should always be looking to make an operating profit. At that, at that is much that I do know. The spend on the transfers, mate, was a wee bit bigger than Mr. Beale was letting us have on. Now, I know there's things like signing on fees and bonuses and agent fees and whatever else it may be, but twenty one million pounds, mate, it was the was the figure. When you look at the squad, mate, that we currently have, there is there's certainly people that are gonna need to do a lot to justify this spend of twenty one million. Yeah, I mean, I didn't actually answer your first question about what my overall thoughts were. Oh, no, you, thoughts no, you were, didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. They were okay. No real alarm bells ringing from them. Nothing. No. Just taking the opinion of, like I say, the other the other stuff of bread. Nothing majorly at the moment. There's maybe some stuff. One of the things was um, meeting the financial fair player, whatever it's called now. But that's something that um, James Taylor had mentioned at that fans forum that me and Ryan were at a couple of weeks ago. And he did say that we were on schedule to kind of meet with the, with that meeting the, the staff costs, weren't it going to be exceeds, what was it like 70%, 75% turnover? What he said, we were on a good footing for that. So there's nothing really screaming out for me just now on that. It's disappointing that we've made an overall loss, but I think you can look into the numbers and see the reasons behind that, what's happened. Because as well, what we're doing there is we're looking at, Generally, what you're doing is looking at the last year's compared to this year's, and you're comparing the Europa League run with the Champions League. So it's yeah. two kind of exceptional, exceptional seasons in terms of what we're doing in terms of European money and things like that. But when you talk there about the the money, the transfer money, that twenty one million isn't included in these accounts. That's twenty one million pounds that's been spent since June twenty twenty three on players players coming in. So that's your who have we got? Danilo, Dessers. Fuentes and Lammers, they're, the, they're your four, four guys you paid but money for. Did we pay in for, we didn't pay in for Butland, Butland, didn't we? No, nothing. No, but well, the, the, I think Butland will have a hefty signing on fee. Why? Man, you were at a point where considering renewing his contract for them or offering him a contract from for him anyway. So there will be, you know, those signing on fees that maybe aren't apparent when you first see it. But that, that 21 million, yeah, it seems an awful lot. But this goes kind of to a point that I've made in the past that four months into a transfer window, I think, or to see players come in from a transfer window, I think it's far too early to be saying whether or not their success is or not. Because I'm still kind of trying to make up my mind if the last batch from the summer before are a success or not. And that includes your likes of Lawrence, Matondo and Yilmaz. You know, Davies as well was in that, so I'm still I'm still not sure whether they can be marked as a, a success or not because that was seventeen and a half million we spent on them, um, along with others. So, yeah, but when just looking at that figure on its own and where they, those players are in terms of performance right now, it's a bit worrying. Um, don't give one person the control of the the player recruitment, I would say, Mr. Bisgrove, Mr. Bennett. Um, Mr. Bennett, Mr. Bisgrove, yes, please. I know you tune into this podcast every week, so, um, but no, look, it's a, it's a learning step for the club. I think that they, they won't be doing that anytime soon, uh, 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 again, anyway. And look, I, I agree with you, Scotia, I do. I, I, I'm, very much, it's it still early doors for a lot of the players. It does take time for players to settle in. There'll be players that change them, change our minds um, on how good they are, how bad they are, whatever. It's going to, it, it will take time for a lot of the players to settle in. But just on first view of it, as you you mentioned, it is a wee bit eye raising. Um, however, look, as I say, it, it's it's investment that was required into the squad. So I think we would all be sitting here. 
bemoaning the fact that it was if it was only nine or eight million that was spent, for example, we'd be going up. What is that? Is that all we spent? So it's one of those things that you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. But I, I do believe that it's a learning curve that they won't be entrusting just one single person, like the the manager, to make the final decisions on who we sign going forward. Um, still very much working on the four pillars, mate. I think there's. Two of them that are probably doing not bad. Um, the other two probably need attention, but it's quite clear what one that Bennett is saying needs um, the most attention, and it is the player trading, uh, player player trading pillar, if you like, uh, and that's the one that will probably get the most attention in the coming year. Which is where, as you say, you would expect a director of football to come in, mate, and be solely responsible for pri- prioritising this pillar and to ensure it becomes a success over the next two, three four or even five years. I think it's critical for us to it's critical for us to probably every two, three years be selling someone on for a considerable profit in order for this to work. And as frustrating as it is, because when good players are at the club you don't want them to leave and you tend to fall for them and they tend tend to become one of your heroes. But it is the way that we're going to need to operate. We are always a selling club, mate, and whether you like it or not, that's where we are in the world of football. But the director of football is going to have a task on his hands coming in to to, to make this pillar a success. Yeah, um, the player trading model, I think, for us is one of the main ones because we, I think when you, you look at where we kind of make our money in terms of you know the percentage of each thing towards the overall turnover, I think our like just bums and seats makes up just under half of our turnover. I think it's um, just... Which then makes... I, I just know you're right. You are right. Just under. Which makes the comments that Bisgrove made about... Almost a wee throwaway comment he made at the fans forum about adding eight to 10,000 on to the Copeland and Brimland. <laughs> That'll cost an awful lot of money. But yeah, yeah. we've got that. So Europe, player trading and making deep, deep runs into Europe are huge for us because it's going to be... Unless we make a fairly decent dent into... Europe after Christmas this year, then next year's account numbers with that twenty-one million pound plus any other kind of add-ons that we that we need to play for players that are from a couple windows back. It's going to make make next year's ones look a bit worse. So player trading then does become vital, and we didn't really sell it sell anyone for big bucks in the window just gone there. We really get very manable, many saleable assets in terms of making a good return on them. In January, probably not. I mean, maybe Butland, but Butland. do we really want to be selling Butland six months no. down the line? No, no. we don't. Um, no. So player trading is going to be a massive thing. And we know it's going to be, we've been saying for a few years now that it's going to be a massive thing and it can't just be an Aribo here, a Patterson, a Bassi there. We need to do it all, not just the big sales, but the getting decent returns for players. I know we managed, we, we flipped Coke, Jolak in the end because Beal didn't fancy him but we didn't really make any return on them we made a wee bit more of the money we spent on him back so yeah. what we want to be doing is at least getting players in that middle bracket as well you know like your five to seven million pounds like players and that I don't include Kamara in that because Kamara in that player trading model should have been flipped far sooner than he eventually was. A hundred percent agree mate a hundred percent agree with that I think it's evident as well, moving on from the, the pillar, it's evident how important European football is to Rangers and the money that goes along with that. We need a, we need to be into the Champions League and we need to have a decent run in the Europa League in order to to, to maintain the, the money coming in. Um, I don't think that's any secret. It's exactly the same for the other side of the city. They're very much in the same boat as that. We kind of rely on the, the, the money that we'd be able to get from European football and it can't be underestimated. I know it's easy for us fans to only concentrate on the league because it's be all and end all of everything for us really is to, to win the league. Uh, but it is critical for Rangers to get a yeah, a decent run and a decent uh, a decent payout from any European competition that that, that we were in. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's pretty clear to see. Um, I think the only thing I'll take away from it, probably mainly overall, is it's clear that we're not a hundred percent a self sustainable club yet. We're not far away from it, but we're still not quite there yet. But look, mate. In terms of the way things are going, in terms of the way that this board are approaching things, the way Bisgrove and Bennett are doing things. I'm confident with them at the helm right now that we're making the right steps. Yeah, I think so. It's one of the things I took away from listening to Andy McGowan earlier today, and it's something that I'd actually thought about before I went sat and listened to it, is that at the 
the ease that we've got of comparing ourselves to Celtic. It's just because they're right there, because we're vying for the same trophy, etc. It's an easy kind of thing to look no, at. But they're, barely, I mean, they're miles ahead where they need to be because they didn't have all the shit that we went through, you know, through the, the 2010s and stuff. So we're getting there and it will take time. But um, yeah, I try not to get too too caught up in all the stuff with the finance that comes out because you know what it's like. Twitter's an absolute riot at the moment. Oh, we folk complaining about stuff. Um, no doubts there'll be folk in the comment that you know, won't be happy about certain things. But overall, I think it's not that bad a set of results from me looking at it as a very, very much a layman. Yeah, me too, very much a layman uh, and one thing I will say and I'll give credit, credit to Castor as well is because we're beginning to see a return from them, like it or like them or hate them, um, the partnership that we have with Castor is working and the the, the commercial revenue that we're getting through the, the likes of merchandise sale is, is working um, and we're getting ourselves back to where we were before pre-banter years really um, so yes again all in all for me positive overall there's not big massive red, red flags sticking out of it uh, and yeah as I say the, the biggest thing really is the player trading model is one that it's nothing we didn't know already but that's the one that needs to needs to be improved and stop letting players run contracts down, sell them on for profits and all the all the stuff that we already know. So just before I let you get out of here mate um, it was uh, released today the cup final um, ticket uh, details were released. Same structure as the semi-final, mate. You're, you're broke into subcategories, if you like, and when your time is and where your window is, you're broke into windows and when you can go and um, apply for your ticket and um, see where you, where you end up sitting. I'm second bottom again, so fingers crossed, really, <laughs> for me. Yeah, um, I don't know if we spoke about it the last, like... Or if I was even on in one of the last pods when the, the same happened for the semi-final. Um, because like you say, it was the kind of same setup that there was windows given based on your your Majors points. Um, which I don't know if you want to come on and just talk about that issue in and of itself, because it maybe impacts you more than it does me. But um no, I found it I missed my sales window in the morning because I didn't have my phone on me. But by the time I got around to doing it anyway, you know, there were still going to be quite a lot of people. It was someone else's sales window, but obviously your one carries over. It did seem an awful lot easier. I was I used I done it on the, the phone for my the first time. Usually I just do it on the laptop, but I only had my phone at hand, so I'd done it in that, and it was a breeze. It was done straight away. It wasn't any of this getting kicked out after waiting an hour and a half like it had been in in previous examples. So from that respect, I thought it ran very smoothly. At least for me, I know Ali was the same. Um, but there are some other issues with that setup that I think they've got that maybe you'll come on to. It's the credit, the credit card payment thing for me was is the biggest association. Now it was better the last time I done it. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it still took me two attempts. I think the last time for the semi final. Previously, it's took me about six or seven times um, of going back and forward between the checkout and the credit cards going and back and forth and back and forth. Again, it just results back to me having the frustrations with the site, mate, and I still can't believe that we've we've not... That's one thing I will criticise the board for, actually, is we've still not got something else in place. There must be templates out there. There must be Sorry. a front for this. Yeah. Break, well, not been quite breaking news, because we got told a week ago, but um, that was oh, one aye. of the things that we were told at the fans forum as well, that ticketing websites should be all sorted and like the new ticket website should be all sorted and ready to go in time for season ticket renewals at the end of this season that's what we were told but it's that. a long time isn't it i mean it is yeah. a long time to, to, to get this sorted it really is i mean i, I think i could set up a ticket website quicker mate but look it is what it is look as i say it is what it is it is very frustrating i know there's different systems it needs to speak to and whatever else but yeah it's uh, that's probably my biggest frustration but good breaking news or a week late breaking news scotia i enjoyed that bit there mate but yeah as i say on the website it said supporters on the email it said supporters in priority group one who have 17 hundred plus my gels points will be able to purchase exclusively online from now until 2pm on Wednesday the 15th of November after this exclusive sales windows 
uh, window supporters with 17,000 majors points will be able to purchase until the overall sale deadline, 9th, uh, 9 a.m. of Friday, 17th of November. We have implemented the sales window to allow gold members to pick their preference seating area within Hamden Park. After this gold sales, on, uh, after this gold only sales window, remaining tickets were available according to the following loyalty point schedule, and it gives you the breakdown. I'm not going to sit there and do all that, but I'm second bottom. What one are you in? Um, I can buy mine for I can buy mine for one o'clock on Thursday. That's all I know. I think um, I think I think mine's was six tomorrow. I see. Yeah, I see. Early man. Honestly, see him. Does he jealous, mate? I'm jealous. Don't but Carney, that, 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 this was this was what I was setting this up for you to speak about because I didn't know if you wanted to speak about it. But one of the Go issues. Speak about it then. I don't. I know that it was mentioned a wee bit on the social media around the last time round. Is if you're sitting in a tier that's you know goes and sailed either today or say first thing tomorrow morning, but you're taking your kids along, your you know, you're waiting, take going to go and sit with your dad or your mum or something like that, and they're on a lower tier, you then need to wait until their window opens up to guarantee that yeah. they'll both get seats beside each other. That's the one so thing I think that's, that that's what Ryan was saying, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the, obviously it means that you'd you because if you most people well, I know that not not forty people want to sit in the Rangers end. So let's get that started. People will comment on that in the comments. Um, we want to sit in there, but it's fully like I want. To, I prefer to sit in the north stand because I think I got a better view of the game and things like that. But if I was then wanting, if I had someone that I was taking along with that wasn't in that priority window or at the very bottom of the priority window, I'd need to wait until their sales window became available, and then by yeah. that point, north stand might not be available, and we'd need to go for the West End. That was, I think, I did see people mention that in the socials last time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's very much a stopgap. This, I think, until the new website's up and running, then it will be, I'd imagine it'll be a free-for-all again. Um, that's what I would expect to happen anyway. Uh, but yes, as I say, if you've, you're my Jersey member and you're within that bracket, then you'll be able to buy your tickets over the next coming days. And fingers crossed I get a good seat, mate. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed I even get a seat, but fingers crossed I get a I get a good seat. Uh, so that'll do, Scotia, for tonight, mate. Good to see you. Good to have you back on, mate. Um, thank you very much. Yeah, cheers. That's been enjoyable. Um, I'm on my way off to enjoy my a very stress-free international break for me, Carney, because Scotland managed to do the business earlier in the year. So this one's a wee a wee mini holiday for me, I believe. Is it? Is this a this just a bonus? This one for you, yeah. Yeah, this one. I can just relax and look forward to. When does Scotland play? Back. Not that I care. Not that I care. I play Georgia on Thursday, then Norway at Hampton on Sunday. Oh. So Haaland playing is that an, are these friendlies are these are these important? No, they're not important. Scotland have qualified, so the Norway can't. Doesn't so matter. It's all good. Yeah. Doesn't matter, mate. Yeah, so you see about rotation, I suppose. Uh, but yes, enjoy it, Scotia. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. It's all for you, mate, and I'm all for you. I'm all for you getting in about it, mate. But it's, as I say, it's not, not for me. I'm not. I can't really be too critical of it, mate, because I don't have Ali here to back me up. So uh, I'll, say, <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, enjoy it, mate. That's why I it. thought I'd sneak it in, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't have Ali to back me up. Uh, so yes, uh, that'll do as I say. We'll be back on Friday. We're going to do a club live. We will be doing a punters Q&A. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. Join us on Friday and get your questions in the live chat. I'll release a post probably on the Thursday. So I'm, I'm presuming some will leave comments on the socials. But uh, it'd be nice if you joined us on Friday night from 6.30 and you can get your comments in the chat. And I will do my best to answer as many as we can. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Please like the video, subscribe to the channel, all the usual stuff. We'll speak to you on Friday. We are Club at 22, the Rangers podcast. Cheers, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network.